The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. Seven of the SJP Wrestling Podcast. On today's show, we come to the end of our little mini-series on Clash of the Champions events. Um, and the way we're closing that out is to look back on this past weekend's offerings from the WWE. It should be quite an interesting discussion, as I don't tend to watch a great deal of the modern product. Um, so I've got Chuck Winchester from the Paranormal Activities and the RSH Wrestling Podcast. Uh, joining me, someone who watches Raw and SmackDown each week. It should be very, very interesting going through the show, match by match, and discussing it with Chuck. Uh, he's a great guest. I've been um, invited onto his podcast several times in the past and always have a great discussion. As we head into October, um, we have various things coming up that we're going to be looking at. The obvious ones are links to the past through old WCW Halloween Havoc events. Um, obviously, the WWE is promoting its Hell in the Cell event at the end of the month, so we could be looking back on old Hell in the Cell matches and events too. If there's anything in particular you'd like us to cover on the show with any particular guest, please get in touch and let me know. You can do so via the show's Facebook page or Twitter. Um, just search at SJP Wrestling Podcast. As well as the potential shows looking back at Halloween Havoc and Hell in the Cell matches, um, we have the usual interviews coming up for you in the next month. There's a couple of little surprises there. I really hope you'll enjoy them. However, that is upcoming. Now on today's show, we welcome Mr. Chuck Winchester, as I said, of the Paranormal Activities podcast and the RSH Wrestling podcast in the States. I hope you enjoy the conversation and thank you very much for listening. Hello, Mr. Chuck Winchester. How are we doing, sir? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, thank you so much for having me on your show. And how are you doing tonight? Yeah, very good. Thanks. Very good. Uh, well, actually, a little bit of a um, a little bit of context for for yourself and everybody else listening. Um, where I live in the UK, in Gloucester, um, I'm surrounded by inconsiderate individuals all over the place. People <laughs> are let, people are letting off fireworks and have been for the last probably two hours. So if anyone, including yourself, hears some random bangs or potentially my dog Ronnie or my cat Lemmy going mad and climbing all over the keyboard, I do apologize. But it, it, they've had to come in with me this evening whilst I'm recording because of some inconsiderate piece of crap down the road. So there we go. Just in case anyone hears a random meow or bark or something like that, that that'll be why. OK, <laughs> I'm really glad that that's just not here. And I'm, I'm over here in the U.S. and we have the exact same problems and I have no idea why. Like, it's like a COVID thing that people just start setting off fireworks because we haven't had that problem until this year. And now it's every night, it seems like I'm also getting fireworks. So I'm glad it's just not here. Well, it's the fifth. It's the fifth of November, isn't it? Bonfire night here in the UK. Oh, gotcha. Um, which is when all the fireworks go off. But then also, obviously, you've got Halloween on the 31st. And of course, naturally, it's 
we're recording this on the 29th of September. So why wouldn't people just be letting off random fireworks? <laughs> yeah, oh, it happens. It's, it's ridiculous. It happens all the time around where I am. But, I mean, that's uh, the perils of living in the area I'm in, I guess. Gloucester's a lovely city, very historic, with the docks and the cathedral and, and all that sort of stuff. But there's certain areas that are not great, and that's where I live, I'm afraid. So, yeah, <laughs> um, so yeah, very quickly, obviously, I, I've known you via uh, wrestling Twitter and podcasting and so on for a little while now. I've been a guest on um, your wrestling podcast, along with Josh, um, on a couple of different occasions. Great show. I really enjoy it. Um, just explain to people listening who may not have heard your show before or may not be aware exactly uh, who you are and the shows you do. And you've also got a very, very good paranormal podcast, haven't you? Yep, yep, absolutely. Thank you very much. I hope it's good. I can't really attest, but well, I, I enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I, yep, I do host a, a wrestling podcast called Regularly Scheduled Hostilities with my co-host uh, Josh DeBoard, who also has his own podcast called The DeBoard Room every Tuesday nights about sports and stuff. But we just talk about uh, wrestling on RSH. Uh, we cover basically WWE and AEW, as that's what we both keep up with. Uh, we try to cover some indie stuff if it's relevant, but honestly, we don't really pay a lot of attention to that. So it's primarily WWE and AEW. And uh, we also are on allevertingentertainment.com. And, and with those guys, we have like uh, belt tournaments and, and that kind of stuff. So we, we get fun. It's live every Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern time. And then I also have the Paranormal Podcast called Paranormal Axe Activities. And I have that because my real name is uh, Ben Axe, but my wrestling name for my podcast is Chuck Winchester. But on Paranormal Activities, I'm my real self, Ben Axe, and I just talk about ghost experiences. I give my own personal encounters. I have people on who have encounters and all that stuff, and we just explore the world of the paranormal. Yeah, with with Paranormal Activities, I mean, I, I really enjoy that. I mean, it's, uh, there's so many wrestling podcasts out there. And I try and there's certain ones I try and listen to. There's there's people who have been on my show, for example, um, a fella called Mags who, who you've heard. I did. Uh, yeah. He's got he's got some great shows like um, the Badlands podcast and uh, Why We Watch and so on. I try and I catch them every that. single week. That um, awesome. Yeah, RSH. I try and catch uh, every week. Um, but at the same time, it's nice having a little deviation from the wrestling and paranormal activities. I can recommend it very much so to anyone who, who's interested in that sort of thing. Um, it. I enjoy it because it is something different, and it is, it is also sort of pressing buttons and asking, well, what about this? Why about that? And so on, isn't it? Absolutely, and it's one of those things. Like I like to hear the stories, but I'm also curious because I'm generally I'm a science guy. When it comes to like science, that's what I typically believe in. Uh, but I obviously it can't deny the paranormal, and scientific research kind of denies the paranormal side of things. So I want to know scientifically how it's working why it's working what's the point what's the reasoning you know and that kind of stuff mm. and we you have all of these different interviews you have you know basically each person has their own puzzle piece and when you talk to everybody you kind of put the puzzle together on what's happening yeah yeah again like i said I, i've enjoyed the shows i've listened to so I, I again i strongly recommend it and we'll give out all your your social media links and so on a bit later on so people can sort of grab a pen and listen and uh follow you on there and, and, and subscribe to the shows. It is definitely worth the effort. I can strongly recommend that. Well, As you mentioned on, yeah, that. no problem. No problem. You, you mentioned um, on RSH uh, that you cover mainly WWE and AEW each week. Um, what, whilst, whilst we're touching on that with regards to both companies and potentially NXT and whoever else, what are your thoughts at the moment on the current, the current wrestling product we're seeing? I mean, the last few shows I have done, 
um, well, the majority of my shows have been very much nostalgia-based. This is the first one. Well, it's a couple of firsts, really. This week's show is the first show with somebody from overseas. So there you go. You're, you're the very first overseas guest oh, we've had. That's awesome. Um, and uh, secondly, it's also the first show, really, where we've properly looked at a modern-day show as part of our Clash of Champions month coming to a close with the WWE show this week. So with regards to all of that, what are your thoughts on what you see at the moment on television with AEW, with the WWE, how they've dealt with the pandemic, and just your general thoughts as a wrestling fan? Yep, absolutely. And this is why our show is called Regularly Scheduled Hostilities, because my co-host Josh and I, we pretty much disagree on the current product. So he would tell you it's phenomenal. I'm going to tell you it's not. <laughs> um, right, okay. I, if I feel like I've been watching wrestling since weekly, daily almost even, since 1998. I watched it before that, but not as a passionate fan. I really became passionate in 1998. And uh, I would say probably, honestly, man, since I was in college, since 2009, 2010, I've been kind of on autopilot. I'm watching it weekly because I've always done that. And, and, and there are some times when it's feel, it feels more like a chore than an actual entertainment time you know, in, in my life. Uh, so overall, the last decade probably hasn't been the best, in my opinion. And the current product, as of, you know, as of today, it's hit or miss. And I would say, you know, since COVID hit, it really got rough. And that could be because of a number of things. But even before COVID, I was saying how I was bored. Storylines didn't make sense. Storylines were repetitive. And again, I was just bored most of the time. And even when the popular guys who I liked, like Seth Rollins or Kofi Kingston, became a champion, their reign was boring. And because of that boring reign, it went back to people like Brock Lesnar, who wasn't even there. So how can you enjoy a title run when the champion's not there? I don't know. Uh, but, you know, so it seems like whenever they did something right, they would, you know, take one step forward in the right direction. They would just shoot themselves in the foot and go backwards a lot of the past few years. Um, but I will say this. Since the Thunderdome stuff hit, which I was a big advocate of making fun of that name. I thought it was silly <laughs> when they, when they Thunderdome. <laughs> But since that's happened, I honestly think the show quality, especially on SmackDown, has gotten better. Raw still sucks, in my opinion. Retribution, a waste of time, in my opinion. But the SmackDown show, especially with Roman Reigns coming back as a heel a few weeks ago, it's really stepped up. And I've been enjoying SmackDown quite a bit here lately, at least. But overall, I think there's loads of room for improvement. And we need you know, to figure out what that, what that would take. Yeah, okay, I understand. Um, I mean, this is where it's going to be quite interesting because uh, when we get on to the actual Clash event we're, we're sort of scanning through today, in in the last couple of Clash shows um, I've done with um, a young chap called Conrad and a not-so-young, apologies, chap called Mags, um, <laughs> it's been very much a case of I have seen the shows and the matches before I kind of have seen them with regards to storylines and context, regardless of how old or how far back they may have been. But the person coming on is looking at those matches with um, relatively fresh eyes. I mean, for example, Conrad, when we covered um, everything, uh, everything April 2nd, 1989, uh, hadn't actually seen one of the Ricky Steamboat um, Ric Flair matches before. So he was viewing it very much as a brand new viewer. With regards to what we're going to look at today, it's almost like the the situation's flipped a little. Um, 
I don't watch Raw and SmackDown every week. In fact, I can't tell you the last time I did watch Raw and SmackDown. It may well have been the last time you invited me on RSH and I watched it to be able to discuss it with you guys. I remember um, that. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I don't keep up with the current product very much at all. AEW I watch, NXT I watch a bit of. I'll flick in and out of Raw and SmackDown or I'll, I'll catch up with headlines online, but it's very rare I will sit and watch a show of Raw or SmackDown. Now, I do tend to watch the pay-per-views, but that's about it. So with you watching it on a more regular basis, it's almost like the situation's reversed. I'm coming into this um, maybe not as worn out with the current product as potentially you may be. And I'm looking at the matches on Clash of Champions with potentially fresher eyes than maybe yourself. And potentially that could lead to us having different opinions from what we saw. I don't know. Um, but it could be quite interesting. Yep, absolutely. I'm excited. That's a good way to look at it. That's yeah, very okay. true. Okay, great. Well, let's just let's just get straight on with it then. Um, we'll start with the actual Clash main show itself. And the opener there uh, was the triple threat ladder match for the well the two IC title belts I guess the vacant belts the uh, whether it was Sami Zayn still holding it or they were vacated or Jeff Hardy had it or whichever way they, they wanted to word it between Sami Zayn Jeff Hardy and AJ Styles um, this was given plenty of time it went well over 25 minutes uh, what did you think of this and also having watched the build up what did you think of the the build to this contest because I cannot comment on that myself Yep, absolutely. And this is a SmackDown match. And like I said, I've been enjoying SmackDown more. And, okay. and the build for this was actually pretty good, in my opinion. I'm, I'm a huge Hardy fan, obviously, going back to, you know, the the Hardy boys in the late 90s doing their crazy ladder matches. I remember watching their, their first ever TLC match along with their SummerSlam matches. You know, all of their I'm a huge Hardy, Hardy fan, basically. And yeah, so too, too. he's absolutely I mean, if it, when he's with a ladder. I, I'm all in, basically. And, <laughs> AJ Styles, I've been watching him. I, he was the reason I got into TNA back in, I think, 2003-ish. Um, I could be wrong there with the dates, so don't hold me to that. But I watched TNA pretty regularly from 03 to 2010. And it was because AJ Styles just drew me in. So if, whenever he's in a match, I'm interested. And uh, Sami Zayn, he's really, his comeback when he came back with his old title has been golden. So that build is probably, that match is probably my favorite match on the card. I think the match really delivered. And they really hyped it up well to make me want to watch it. And just with those three being in the ring, I don't think Hardy, Styles, and Sammy could put on a bad match. <laughs> you no, know what I mean? I, yeah, totally. So, yep, absolutely. So that match was phenomenal. And they did new things, which is you know hard to do in 2020 with some ladders. You know, seeing Jeff Hardy like having his ear attached to a ladder was oh, kind yeah. of, of saw-like, you know? And uh, it was hard to watch at times but in a good way and then you know just seeing styles i think he was handcuffed to a ladder at one point which was pretty cool um i i enjoyed it quite a bit actually and it did go on kind of long but it went on that's how long that match needed to tell the story it was telling so it was it was pretty good and probably my favorite match of the night honestly yeah i i, I agree i think this was probably probably just about my favorite match of the night i mean there's, there's one later on that it it only just sort of shades above. But yeah, I think it is my favorite match of the night too. Uh, again, I'm, I'm a huge Hardy fan. Big Sami Zayn fan. Uh, same same as you for AJ Styles. Uh, the whole TNA thing and so on. I mean, I was very lucky with my wife to be able to see AJ Styles wrestle at our local leisure center here in Gloucester. Um, just not long before he signed for the WWE, he was um, 
working out in New Japan, and I think he was actually the IWGP champion at the time. He brought the belt over with him anyway. That's really cool. Um, yeah, it was great, and he was in the main event uh, in a triple threat against a couple of English fellas, and also on the show, I think Jushin Liger was there, and there's a, it was a really it was a good mix of local UK talent and international stars coming in. I got to meet the guy. I got um, I got a signed picture. I got a picture took with him, and so on. It was a real experience. Um, so AJ, I absolutely adore. I think the guy's fantastic just because of that experience of catching um, TNA purely by chance on a really obscure random channel here in the UK, whether it was on, it was on a channel called Bravo for a while, which is like a, it doesn't, it's not even going here anymore. Then it was on a channel called challenge, which is like a game show station. It was on there late at night. It was very strange. So AJ Styles like tuning in on these obscure channels to watch AJ wrestle. He, he, he's very held in very high esteem by me. Oh, that's, a story to, that's a very similar story to myself. I remember on a Saturday morning, I was turning channels and TNA was on like Fox 73 or whatever they call themselves. And I saw Jeff Jarrett in a squared ring still before they went to the octa or the six sides. So I was like, oh, okay. I'll watch this. And there was AJ. I'm like, I'm not going to not watch this now because he was awesome in that match. Yeah. It, and he's just there, there's certain wrestlers actually that I mean we're gonna I, I imagine because it's been a while since me and you spoke we might get little detours here and there so Fair people enough. are tuning in j- just for Clash of Champions stuff I do apologise but uh, right. <laughs> I mean there's certain wrestlers that I that that have done things that I look at and think wow I've not seen that before um, Shawn Michaels when I was younger was probably the first wrestler that gave me that feeling. Um, the first time I saw Rob Van Dam, um, there were certain things he was doing that I had that feeling when he was in ECW and so on. Um, AJ Styles is very much in that bracket. The first time I saw AJ, he was doing things I had not seen before. And it was very much a case of, why, look at this. And the, the, the guy is fantastic. I mean, he, you can he, he can work babyface heel, top of the card, opener, whichever you wish. He's just absolutely superb. And this this... This triple threat ladder match, I, I agree, was was absolutely fantastic. I mean, the note I've got written here was bloody fantastic. <laughs> it's the note I've got written down. I mean, the, the finish with the handcuffs, just so inventive, so clever, so well done. Um, it, it's really difficult, I think, for anyone else on the show to follow a display that good by three by three talents that talented. Absolutely. And my question was after that match was why would that open the card because the the next two or three matches have nothing that can even come close to that so the crowd is already burnt out at the very beginning of the of the card uh but that's how it goes yeah yeah i guess i mean following that was um oscar defending her championship against Zelina vega um i i didn't mind this i thought this was quite good again I've, I've got no context coming in i'm watching it literally cold that's just as a pure wrestling match I'm a big fan of Oscar. I've not seen much of Zelina Vega in the ring, but she's got a great look. She's uh, She comes across very talented and good on the microphone. I didn't mind this. I mean, it was just over seven minutes, seven and a half minutes. Um, it it could have potentially have been a TV match, I guess. There wasn't anything that set it aside from something that you might have seen on an episode of Raw. But again, I, I didn't I didn't not enjoy this match. What, what were your thoughts? And, you know, I agree with that. I actually, the build up to this match wasn't terrible. Vega was the manager for, I always forget their names, Andrade and Garza. Yes. And she decided to drop those two because they kept losing and go on her own. 
And from what I understand, I don't watch NXT, but from what I hear, she was good over there. I, I can attest to that one way or the other. And but because they made her go solo here and from her past of being, you know, good and, and over, I've been loving her since she's been on the mic, you know, on Raw as a manager and as now solo. And I really thought because she was on the championship match at a pay-per-view, maybe they're going to go all in with her and, you know, get rid of Asuka and, get, you know, give Vega a chance. Actually, Vega was my pick here only because it was a pay-per-view match and not on the pre-show and not on Raw or SmackDown. The potential surprise, you mean? Right. You know, yeah. I thought they might do a swerve here and, you know, give her a bigger role because she is good in the ring and she is good on the mic. Uh, but they didn't. But she was still the match was decent. And, you know, I'm, I'm over Asuka. I never really got into Asuka. I didn't watch New Japan, uh, you know, when she was big there or whatever. Um, she's good, but I'm just kind of over. It's one of those things I said earlier. It's just been drawn out. It's been the same old thing for forever since she's really came to WWE. So I wanted to see a change. Um, you know, and I thought with with Becky Lynch being gone. Maybe they could give Vega, you know, an opportunity, and they still might. I have no idea, but it was a good match, and it's been a good build. Yeah, I guess the finish with Vega sort of, uh, kicking Oscar afterwards could lead to something more. I imagine that's the way they're going. Right. That's um, yeah, yeah, and I, I think again, it shows the difference in somebody who watches the product every week to somebody who doesn't. Um, I'm still a big fan of Oscar. But then I've not experienced her week in, week out like yourself. So that, that's quite interesting to me, the difference there in how you feel about her to how I feel about her. I've, I've seen her on the pay-per-views, and I saw her in NXT. I saw her when she first came up onto Raw. And yeah, I can see where you're coming from. It is very much the same thing um, from when she first came onto Raw till now. There's not many this this. Uh, not many differences in in the two characters that she's portraying. It's very much still the same the same thing. Um, I'm not a fan of all the shouting in Japanese. I appreciate it can be quite dramatic when done for a moment or two, but when it's when it's a, a lengthy exchange in Japanese, um, I don't quite understand the benefit of that, especially when you consider. The majority of WWE fans probably do not speak Japanese themselves. Now, I, again, I understand it's it's done for impact and drama, but I don't see the benefit myself. What do you think? Um, yeah, yeah, I don't really have an opinion there. I guess I don't mind the shouting as long as it makes sense. Uh, but what her character has become over the last few months or whatever is basically her dancing around and and just being obnoxious with it. Like when she was a serious, like when like you know when she first debuted and she was fighting Charlotte and that kind of stuff. That was serious, and that mm. shouting, I think, made sense. It backed up what she was doing. But now her character is just super annoying, and that's her heel gimmick is just to be annoying. And it's, so it's it's you're still a heel, and you're still doing something similar, but it's in just an annoying, obnoxious way, and it's not entertaining after you know weeks and weeks and months and months of that same thing. And so I'm just kind of over it, kind of over Oscar because of her. It's not even because of her. It's because of the writing she's been given and the storyline she's been told to do. So it's just it's annoying and it's not in a good heel way. It's in a bad heel way. It's in a negative heel way. And that's not how you get over as a heel, in my opinion. And they're just she's just kind of on, you know, she's just kind of going there week to week. And there's really no end game for her character right now, I don't think. OK, so it's very much a case of overexposure being stale, potentially too much of what she's doing. Right. I, that's what that's what I kind of think. It's just still I feel like she was given the title because Becky Lynch had to leave 
And because of that, they didn't have anything in mind and don't really have anything in mind for her current gimmick or character. You know, we typically, if you, your character has, you know, like a goal or there's, you're going somewhere like the writing each week is telling a story of where you're going to end up. And with just with her, with her current annoying, shouting, dancing storyline, it's just an autopilot until something else happens sometime. We don't know. And I don't think the writers know. And you can tell it's just stale. <laughs> and that's why I was hoping Vega would win to kind of break up that staleness. But yep, okay. here we are. OK, I mean, I'll be honest, I, I didn't pick up that Oscar was meant to be a heel at all. I, I well, just assumed that she was a babyface. This... It, it, it may have, and that's my, my bad when it comes to Raw. And, you know, I feel like maybe she has turned facious, uh, but, you know, when Becky Lynch did leave after, I think it was WrestleMania, right around that time, I don't remember, mm. but uh, she uh, she was a heel, and she, she may have evolved more into a face role here lately, uh, but if I'm still annoyed by the dancing stuff either way. No, I can appreciate that. <laughs> no, I can appreciate that totally. Um, the next match then for the United States Championship. Um, oh, very quickly, what, what are your thoughts on the new United States Championship in comparison to the predecessor? Oh, man, at first I hated it. I really did. I thought it was stupid, but it's it's growing on me. I still think it's missing something. Like, it doesn't have... It's There's too much gold on a red, white, and blue belt if that makes sense i don't know yeah um i don't hate it though i really i, I really liked the other one and that was probably my second favorite belt of all time actually just because i just i think it pops i don't know but it, it's all right it's growing on me the the longer i see it yeah so i'm, I'm quite a fan of it I do, I do agree with you though a little bit more potentially a little bit more blue i think wouldn't go amiss but uh you know, that, you know, I, I quite like it. I quite like it. I mean, again, I, I differ from you to a degree because the belt beforehand I liked, but I wouldn't place it up in my top X amount of belts, to be honest. It, it was a bit too colorful. So perhaps that's where we just differ in opinion. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, I might have been a little zealous when I said my top two of all time, but I really did like it. Yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. Um, yeah, so, I mean, Bobby Lashley defeated Apollo Crews here, uh, just over eight minutes in total. Um how did you find this? I mean, I, I, I find Cruz quite a frustrating character. Um, I find him quite a frustrating individual. I mean, in the ring, the guy's got something about him. The guy, there's certain things he can do that I'm, I'm that impress me. However, I just think he's lacking, and it's not even like he's lacking a little something. He's lacking a big something to make it, uh, to, to make me more invested in him. What did you think of the match, and, and what do you think of Apollo Cruz? Oh yeah, I, I agree with that. Cruz is very athletic in the ring, and he can do things a guy his size probably shouldn't be able to do, which I think we say a lot about guys these days because they're all athletic yeah. to an unreal amount. Uh, but he, you're right, though. I feel like I feel the exact same about Apollo Cruz as I did when Bobby Lashley debuted in WWE in, like, what, 04 or so? Um, really good, but there's just something missing and with Cruz, it's personality because he can do all of this stuff, but he just yes. doesn't have personality. And and this is WWE. This is entertainment. And at the end of the day, personality, charisma, you know, mic experience or mic talent, skill or whatever are probably just as, if not more important than the crazy flips you can do in the ring. Because let's face it, man, WWE these days, especially with NXT and a lot of AEW, it's all flips. They do flips, they do flips, they kick out of pinfalls, they do flips. There's not a lot of stuff that we're not going to see in professional wrestling these days when it comes to crazy maneuvers. 
So in order to have something different, you got to figure out what that is. And so Cruz can hold it. Cruz can you know, go toe-to-toe with pretty much anybody in WWE, I think. But he's missing personality. And I feel the same way with Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley has never entertained me, whether it was in WWE, whether it was in uh, TNA, and now back in WWE. This is probably the most I've been interested in Lashley ever with being with the Hurt Business. Uh, but yeah, I just think Cruz is missing that charisma that he just, I mean, he's, you're right. He's really close. Like he's, he's right there, <laughs> but he's just, he, <laughs> he needs to figure out what the next step is to really get himself over and to really become the next, you know, big thing. Cause he has the potential to be a big player in WWE. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I, I think with Lashley getting paired with MVP, that goes a long way, I think. If you've got someone like Lashley, who he's, he's, he, he looks incredible. The guy, the guy can work. You know, I, I enjoy what he does in the ring quite often. But again, he's got less personality to me than Apollo Crews has. Great. So pairing him with MVP makes a lot of sense. Is it potentially going to end up with Apollo Crews going down the same route and pairing with MVP as well? That could benefit him, maybe. Um, but no, I think you're talking a lot of sense there. How did you find the match itself? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't remember. I'm trying to remember watching it. And I, I don't like I watched it. <laughs> on that, Sunday. That, tells, that tells its own story, <laughs> I think, doesn't it? It, it? I think you're right. I, I know. I remember Lashley. I think Lashley won. I remember Lashley winning. I just yes. don't remember the match itself. I, I, I'm sorry. I can't really attest, I guess. No, no. I, I think it was very much. Again, I suppose in a, in a similar way to the, um, um, the Oscar Selena Vega match. It was it was okay. It wasn't dreadful. It wasn't it was decent enough, but there wasn't anything. Well, as you've just as you've just proven, there wasn't anything majorly memorable, and it could have potentially just been another TV match. Now, obviously, you can't have a pay per view full of storming moments for three hours because you need ups and downs. You need peaks and troughs in any show, um, and I think this one was very much a, a, a trough, a, a dip. Um, because again, it was eight minutes, and I can't really tell you much about it. You can't remember anything at all. So I think that tells that, that tells a great story about what we saw between these two gentlemen, doesn't it? <laughs> Absolutely, it does. And and that's what I was saying earlier. It's repetitive. We've seen Lashley and Cruz, you know, go head to head so many times now. It's just like I can't mm. watch another one and and retain it because I've seen it so many times. It's all the same at this point. Yeah, I mean. As I've said quite a few times already, I don't watch the product on a regular basis, but I think I have seen Lashley and Cruz face off several times. So if I've seen it several times, then it's right. definitely been done too much. I can tell you that. It's definitely been done far too much. Um, on the note of something I have seen before and it's potentially been done too much, the next match for the Raw Tag Team Championships um, was the Street Profits facing off against um, the formerly mentioned... Gaza and Andrade. Oddly, roughly exactly the same amount of time as the previous contest between Lashley and Cruz. Um, I'll be perfectly honest with you here. I don't get the Street Profits. I don't same. know if I'm. I don't know if I'm not the target audience. I don't know. If, I don't know if you know this overweight forty-year-old fella sat in Gloucester. Um, <laughs> it isn't what they're aiming at. It's very possible that's not what they're aiming at. It wouldn't surprise me at all, but I don't get the street profits. Uh, what are your thoughts? 100% agreed with you. I mean, we're both, not to give our ages away, but you know, we've been around in the wrestling world for a long time, and I think the street profits, they have to be marketed towards the younger generation because I'm with you. I do not understand it. I've never been entertained by them. 
And yeah, they can do crazy stuff in the ring. But like I mentioned before, that doesn't matter <laughs> if, if your gimmick is terrible. In my opinion, that gimmick is terrible. So I have no idea why they won or why they continue to win. Uh, but yeah, I don't get them either. Yeah, again, it must be that it must be that we're not the target audience. I mean, the, the whole catchphrase of "We want the smoke." I don't even know what that means. I don't. I'm <laughs> not the only one. <laughs> but I mean, people seem to like it. Uh, don't get me wrong. I think I think they can go in the ring. They've entertained me in matches. That you know, um, there's something about them as well. They've they've got that. They've got that missing charisma, I suppose, that we were talking about with regards to Lashley and Cruz. They've got something about them on that level. Um, I can't remember the individual's name, but the um, the thinner of the two gents in Street Profits, I think he's got something about him. That he could be a singles star. I think he's got a great personality. He can go in the ring. Um, I just don't get the Street Profits themselves as a team. Um uh, there's similarities, I guess, between them and Private Party in AEW, with regards oh, yeah. to the uh, the gimmicks and so on. And my my ten year old wrestling crazy daughter is she's a huge Private Party fan. So maybe if she watched more WWE, she would appreciate the Street Profits, and it might just back up our point that we may not be the target audience. <laughs> Perhaps we're being a bit selfish with our thoughts there. I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm telling you, it's funny you, you brought that up because there was a, a minute there, probably a couple of weeks, where I kept calling the Street Profits the private party. Like, not trying to be funny. I just legit got them mixed up. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, what did you think of the match? I mean, it was good. It was exactly what I expected as a match. You know, it, it flowed, I thought, and it, it was eight minutes. That's not too long for, for a tag team match. Um, but I, I had Andrade and Angel winning for the exact same reason I had Vega winning. I thought because I just split yeah. up. Yep, yeah. so I had I was wrong. But that's okay. Yeah, who knows? But I really do like, I think Garza and Andrade could be a decent tag team. And they could, because I think those guys are both really good. Um but for some reason, they they lose all of the time, and the street profits, who I don't understand, keep winning. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, potentially, it's a merch thing. I don't know if they they sell a lot of red cups. I don't know how that works. But that could um, be. that's a Josh question because Josh pays attention to all of that stuff. So he'll I'll, I'll say uh, okay. that's like well, but but you know, but this is happening because of this. Well, I can attest to that. I'm just attesting well, to what I see on TV. <laughs> I will pick Josh's brains when I speak with him next. He is coming on towards the end of next month um, to discuss Survivor Series with me. Oh, nice. Um, so I will make a note and I will ask him the question about the Red Cups. We can look forward to an answer from somebody a bit more informed than you and I then, potentially. <laughs> yeah, he'll probably have some numbers for you because he just, for some reason, like, I don't know. I just I don't look it up, I guess, but he, he cares about the stats and I just don't. But he's all about that. So he'll tell you all that you need to know. Uh, excellent. I'll look forward to that. Um, we've with regards to Garza and Andrade, Andrade I saw a lot of in NXT. Again, I think the guy's fantastic, um, as many guys who come from NXT are. Right. Um, Garza I don't know masses about. I've only really seen him in this tag team. But again, what I've seen, he looks good. Uh, and I, I take your point totally about how they look good as a team and they could have a good run in them. But also, I think, potentially, what about facing off against each other. I mean, there's potential there for something something special there in a series between the two. Oh, absolutely. And that would be fantastic. Don't get me wrong. You know, but I'm thinking long term. So why not? Because, you know, the tag team division in WWE has historically in the past decade plus hasn't been anything to brag about. 
So if I was booking, I would have Andre, uh, you know, Andrade and Garza own the tag team division, you know, do all their awesome stuff because they have good, they have decent personalities as well. You know, let them grow in that category. And then, you know, after however long that they run the division and then break them up, have their, you know, long similar to HPK Triple H feud if they wanted to make them, you know, good friends or whatever. You know, that's where the money is, you know, long term, long term booking with, you know, passion behind it. And both of these guys, I think, could pull that off if given the opportunity. Um, yeah, yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. And I'll be honest with you. I think oh, little cameo from my cat there. I don't know if you picked that up. Um, <laughs> that was gross, whatever. Um, <laughs> The, the the WWE tag division, I think, has been in the doldrums for, for longer than 10 years. It's been an absolute horror show for a long, long, long time. Um, but that's, that's a conversation for another day. Maybe we'll have you back on to discuss the horrific <laughs> tag go. team scene. Um, after this, we had Oscar appearing for the second time of the evening. Uh, coming out to open to answer effectively an open challenge, I guess, from Bailey when her original partner, um, Nick, uh, original opponent, sorry, Nikki Cross, was unable to compete. Um, a bit of a throwaway here, only a couple of minutes, mainly served to, I suppose, have a little rundown and a chair shot from Sasha Banks. How, how did you find this whole this whole segment, little miniature match? Um, I. I... Again, I'm not an Oscar fan, so I thought it was a waste of time. Like we've already seen her; she already won. Why have her come down to go against Bailey? And you could maybe they're setting up a Survivor Series match or something, you know, championship versus championship. But for for this pay per view, I thought it was a waste of time. And why not just have you know Sasha Banks come up from behind and just you know jump her anyway? Why have that that match? You know, and maybe they needed to kill time because there was you know, that the, their original opponents were cut because of COVID or whatever the reasoning was. So maybe they just needed to kill time, so they threw it in there. That could be, but I personally didn't quite understand why Oscar was on screen again. Yeah, maybe they were just trying to make um, the best of a bad situation. Okay. Apparently, it was quite close to showtime that they found Nikki Cross was unable to compete. Right, um, Oscar coming out. She she's. <laughs> She's booked as a threat to pretty much everyone. So oh, yeah. a, threat, a threat to Bailey, I suppose, would garner um, the reaction that it got from Bailey. Um, her reaction to Oscar coming out, and hope you know, I'm guessing the reaction they wanted from fans watching at home and watching in the Thunderdome screens, seeing Oscar come out, thinking, "Oh, hang on, we have got a chance of somebody taking the belt off Bailey here." Um, I suppose a little bit akin to. Way, way, way back with um, the old honky tonk man, SummerSlam '88. Just give me someone to wrestle. Out comes the Ultimate Warrior, takes his title. Maybe that was the sort of thing they were looking for. You're bringing um, the classics then, to me here. I see how you are. <laughs> it's very much what I'm based in. That is very much <laughs> what I'm based in. I know more about wrestling from the late '80s than I do what happened eight weeks ago. So, oh, so <laughs> but um, no, I agree. It's very much a little throwaway thing. But I suppose maybe their hands were tied with Nikki Cross not being available at short at this short notice. Um, and obviously Sasha Banks has come back. I'm not a fan of seeing any wrestler, I suppose, but Sasha really hammered home being involved in physicality with the neck, the, as, the what you call it, neck, bra- neck brace, neck collar, whatever it is. I mean, obviously she's just selling a, an injury there. She's not genuinely hurt or they wouldn't have her doing this. Right. But it does kind of look, I think, kind of ridiculous. 
Yeah, I, I agree with that. I thought the same thing because she didn't take the neck brace off. And if, you know, if that would have come off, I'm like, oh, whatever. But because she kept acting like she was in such pain and she's selling, like you said, she is selling it good. Like she looks, she's about to cry half the time. Mm-hmm. So it, it did look awkward. And I was like, why, why are we seeing this? <laughs> but I mean, I do yeah. like Sasha Banks and Bailey. That feud is going to be really good, you know, or is going, you know, it's, it's going now. So it is good, I guess. And they did a good job of drawing it out a little bit and making you think, is it happening now? Is it happening now? So that storyline I really do get into. But I, I agree with you there. It is kind of cringy watching her do what she's doing. Yeah, totally. But, I mean, with, with regards to the storytelling of the um, Banks and Bailey, that's fantastic. I'm a big fan of long storylines. Long, Not all the time. I think sometimes you need to have shorter things to fill air time and um, get to where you need to be. But when you've got people as talented as Sasha Banks and Bailey, and the history they have going back to NXT and so on, this long bit, this slow build, to me is fantastic. It, it, it's the sort of thing I'm I'm all invested in. I can't wait to see the two square off in the ring and and how it's how it's going to go from there. I hope they I hope they end. Um, the I hope they give us the ending that the build up has required, if that makes sense, and we don't just sort of end up with a mess at the end of this this wonderful story they've been telling absolutely if you remember they've they've actually kind of butchered it before it was a couple of years ago when they were doing the same thing as an elimination chamber when sasha banks kind of turned on bailey and they were kind of hitting at a big feud with the two with bailey being the heel and then it just kind of dropped i don't remember how it ended but it didn't really go anywhere and then now here we are a couple of years later and it's just kind of the same thing with the roles reversed and, and I agree. I think this could be another really good, you know, friend versus friend, friend turned enemy storyline with, you know, brutality matches and good matches and the emotions involved. And, and I don't think they'll drop the ball with this one because I feel like those two are talented enough and the company believes in them enough to give them the, a proper, proper you know, storyline. But WWE has been known to drop the ball, so... Oh, once or sure. twice. <laughs> once or twice, yeah. It has, it has been mentioned previously. <laughs> um, okay, I mean, talking of long, drawn-out storylines, and again, not necessarily saying this is a bad thing, um, we come to, I guess, what would I, what would be, I suppose, looking at the billing, um, the two main events of the show, the two, the two men's title matches that close the show. Um, initially, we have an ambulance match uh, between Drew McIntyre uh, and Randy Orton, going just over 20 minutes. Um, lots of, uh, for want of a better term, lots of shenanigans going on here with regards to uh, uh, the legends being involved and uh, and so on. And the stipulation itself is obviously there to add a bit extra to the contest. I mean, what are your thoughts on? the McIntyre Orton program, how it's been, how it's been going and this match and, and how this went on, on this show. Right, well, so just so you guys know where I stand with Randy Orton, I really liked him in evolution. And then yeah. shortly after evolution, I think he was on autopilot and just didn't care about his, um, about his gimmick. I guess he has bored me. I called him Randy Borton for years. You know, he, even his, he his fuse with John Cena in like oh nine were decent, but his legacy stuff I thought was boring. His run, you know, most of like the I guess I don't even know the years now, the the twenty teens, I guess you'd call them. I don't know. And he didn't really impress me at all. He's just been on autopilot in my opinion. He just looked bored. He did the same moves. Granted, the moves looked phenomenal when he did it, because he just has all of the talent in the world, whether it's on the mic 
in the ring, whatever. The dude is phenomenal, but he just looked bored for a long time, in my opinion. But since the Royal Rumble, dude, 100% reversal. I have loved Randy Orton. I've loved his attacks to everybody. I love the uh, the Legend Killer gimmick kind of you know returning. I just I just loved everything he's done since the Royal Rumble. I've really dug it, and so I've really enjoyed his whole build. I've en- I've enjoyed his feud with Edge. I enjoyed his feud with you know Drew McIntyre now, and I've really liked their backstage attacks. It's it's been an, I've enjoyed all of it really at the end of the day when it comes to Randy Orton in 2020. He's probably been the one good thing in wrestling you know, in 2020 <laughs> consistently. Uh, <laughs> this match, you know, it was ex- pretty much what I expected. And I expected, you know, Christian to kind of get involved and Shawn Michaels to kind of get involved. And as soon, I forget who got involved first. Um, uh, Big, Big Show. Show. Yep. So as soon as Big Show got involved, I was like, oh, they're all going to come back. Edge was the question mark. And as you know, he did not come back. So we're still waiting for that feud to continue. Um, but it was about what I expected. I enjoyed it. I was expecting a big five-star matchup, and I was expecting Drew McIntyre to win. He was my pick. So, you know, with that, if you're going to have McIntyre win again, you got to do something different than what you've been doing because they've had a couple of matches already. Um, so I enjoyed it overall. I like seeing Shawn Michaels. He's my favorite of all time. You know, if my favorite wrestler ever, HBK. So I always enjoy seeing a super kick. Um, didn't hate it. Didn't love it. It was it was a good it was a good non-big pay-per-view pay-per-view match if that makes sense yeah no i understand um i'll, I'll be honest i'm not a fan of the the stipulation of an ambulance match i think it, i think it does it's, it's the same i suppose with many other stipulations um to me it's very difficult to create to create the excitement of a near fall when you take away the potential of near falls so with the look, WrestleMania, for example, you mentioned Edge there. Edge versus Randy Orton, the um, last man standing match that went on for what seemed like half my life. Yeah, that was forever. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would be perfectly happy with, with that if after some of these big crazy bumps, you had the one, two, two and three quarters, then a shoulder up and you think, oh, is this the finish? No, it's not. But I think it's kind of when, when you take away the the prospect of going for the traditional pinfall, um, it's difficult sometimes to create the edge-on-your-seat drama for somebody watching. And that's what I kind of get with the, with this ambulance match stipulation. However, when the big show turned up, okay, that was that was a nice little surprise. That made me smile. Christian turning up, that, that gave me a bigger smile. And Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair are, are my two of all time. And it depends on... It depends on which day you ask me as to which one I pick because <laughs> it changes all the time. There's literally the, the the difference between the two in my mind. You probably couldn't get a cigarette paper in between. It's that it's that it flicks back and forth that much. So when Sean turned up and hit the sweet chin music and then that funny little push he gave him that was that made me laugh. And then you know the, the old DX crotch chop as well was 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 a great surprise. Oh yeah. And then seeing Rick behind the wheel of the of the ambulance just made me laugh out loud. I literally sat there and just, <laughs> just threw my head back and laughed. And it's just you know, I mean, I'm, I I adore Ric Flair. Um, I, I was I was a Flair fan when all my friends were cheering for Hogan when we were kids. Yeah. And so this is seeing that was great. Um, I agree on a great deal you said about Randy Orton. There have been moments where it seems like he goes through the motions and so on, which is a crying shame because the guy is so, so talented. But 
in this incarnation, I cannot agree with you more. Absolutely riveting. Uh, fantastic stuff on television, fantastic stuff with Edge. Um, it, it's been great seeing Orton almost seem like he's motivated again. And I think we're going to, I mean, I've not watched this week's Raw yet. Um, and I'm not even sure if I will, I'm not going to lie. But what, I've re- <laughs> but what I've read online is that it looks like we're going to McIntyre Orton again at Hell in a Cell at the end of the month. Which, when you're talking long-term storytelling, I suppose does make sense because you've had all this interference. This way, you can sort of sell it as, well, we're locking them in this big cage. It is literally one-on-one for the championship now. And you've got the blow-off for the feud, I suppose, because all the legends can't get involved and... and and so on. So, you know, maybe that'll be the end of the storyline there, unless, of course, Edge turns up and uh, costs Orton and they can sort of carry on their feud from that standpoint. But no, I, I enjoyed the matches. I enjoyed the match in general, but if it wasn't for Michaels and Flair popping up, I'm not sure I've enjoyed it as much. <laughs> That's fair. You know, going in, like you said, the ambulance matches, you know, that's a joke of a gimmick. So once they announced that was the matchup, really weren't high at all so it was like as an ambulance match you know whatever I wasn't expecting just a, a weird hardcore interference match and that's exactly what we got so I can only really just be disappointed if I wasn't expecting much you know yeah yeah I mean don't get me wrong it, it wasn't horrible by any stretch of the imagination I mean as I keep saying throughout this whole show even the matches that uh, you wouldn't write home about for want of a better phrase they weren't they weren't horrible I watched them I enjoyed what I saw on television I just wouldn't want to revisit them or there wasn't anything particularly memorable to them the ambulance match was better than say the lashley match was better than say the street profits match was better than say both oscar matches um it was there was enough there to keep me entertained but i'm just not a big fan of that gimmick and maybe that's what took away a little bit a little bit for me i think that could be a new topic altogether i just realized WWE doesn't really have rewatchable pay-per-views anymore. You know what no, I mean? True. Very true. When I go back and watch wrestling, I'm watching old stuff that I can watch over and over, and there's not anything in the past decade or longer, really, that I'm like, oh, I need to watch that again. It's like, no, once is enough. And this pay-per-view is definitely that. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Yeah, yeah, that's it. There's enough there to entertain you at the time, but potentially not something that you'd... Uh, that there's no... I mean, as great as the opener was, and it was bloody fantastic. It, it really was. It really, really was great. I can't see myself putting that ladder match on again in, say, eighteen months' time. I, I agree. In but I believe in that eighteen months, I will watch Razor Ramon versus Shawn Michaels from WrestleMania Ten. Yep, absolutely. That makes total sense, and I'm the exact same way. I like to get you know have a couple of beers and just watch some old school wrestling and. That's yeah. Spits of that category. <laughs> yeah. Thing is, though, sometimes I'm, I'm on that note. I'm my, on my my own worst enemy. The wife will go to bed. I use the big television, put the network on there, have a few beers, and then that sort of progresses into a few gins or a few rums, maybe. <laughs> put, put a pizza in the oven. I'm thinking this is fantastic. I'm having a great time, and it, it sort of auto plays, doesn't it? The network. So when you finish an event, it plays what's on next. And I've gone to bed before. Well, I've, I've, I've not gone to bed. I've fallen asleep on the sofa and covered in pizza and all sorts of mess watching Halloween Havoc 1991. And I've woken up and it's 1997 all of a sudden. And, I've, I, you know, it, it completely throws you off. I'll tell you that. <laughs> That's absolutely. I can see that. 
Yeah, so I mean, uh, then finally, the, the, the closer of the show, um, and I thought this was absolutely brilliant storytelling. When WWE gets it right, for me, they do things so, so well. And this... This is testament, I think, to Paul Heyman and the little things he does at ringside, little things he says, little facial expressions. This is testament to how talented Roman Reigns is and what we're finally seeing is the Reigns that I've wanted for years. Um, And Jey Uso played his role to perfection. I I thought this contest between Reigns and Jey Uso, again, going just over 20 minutes, the same as the previous title match, was the only contest really that pushed the ladder match close for match of the night i really really enjoyed this what were your thoughts oh i agree a hundred percent and then even with this matchup you know this this matchup wasn't really about the match itself it was about what was going on you know in it you know the fact mm-hmm. that you know reigns is back he's going against Jey Uso, their family history you know all of that stuff what's going to happen with that and you know and, and the match itself it was a good match but the way it ended that's something i'm not going to forget ever and, you know, they've been really wanting they've been wanting Roman Reigns to be the next John Cena since he left the shield and he's been getting booed. He got the John Cena effect in a bad way when he just nobody cared. He was being pushed on your throats, doing the same thing. But you knew as a wrestling fan, you knew he was the guy. He's just not being Vince McMahon just doesn't understand what the guy meant at that time. He wanted him to be John Cena when Roman Reigns is Roman Reigns. Now, in 2020, they're finally Finally, finally, for the first time in years, making Roman Reigns Roman Reigns. His true potential is, you know, he needed to be healed. He couldn't be a good guy and get over right now. He just couldn't. You get booed. We hear the boos. It would be boring. But now, you know, with Paul Heyman, and Paul Heyman's a great heel manager or whatever, and they're throwing in the family to really get your emotions going. And any WWE storyline that gets your emotions going that you can relate to, that's what's going to be phenomenal, and that's what's going to get your audience to want to watch what happens next. And they did that so well with how that match ended. And the match itself, I know I remember it being good, um, but I was waiting for the end because I knew that's where the, the passion was going to be. And just watching Reigns wail on Jey Uso, it reminded me very much of when Brock Lesnar was wailing on Randy Orton in, at SummerSlam 2016. And But this had context to it because he's not wailing on his opponent. He's wailing on his cousin, basically brother, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then seeing Jimmy Uso come down with the towel, you know, like, what are you doing? Like, we're brothers. What What is going on? And then he throws it in and he continues to wail. And then to see Jimmy just, you know, run in the ring and just not attack Roman, but jump on Jay. It's like, oh, my God. But even talking about it right now is like, I don't have brothers, so I can't really relate, I guess. Uh, but I have, you know, I have very close friends that I could kind of, you know, picture ourselves in this situation. And just, you know, jumping on top of his brother, like, you know, stop. <laughs> like, yeah. I know it was phenomenal. Like, that was definitely the best thing I've probably seen on WWE television that really drove my emotions in a long, long time. And that's that that's SmackDown. SmackDown's been the better show for a long time. And when you actually use Roman Reigns to his full potential, he is going to be the next big thing as Roman Reigns, not as John Cena, not as anybody other similar gimmick, not as a Superman gimmick. But as a ruthless, dominant guy, I'm not even going to say he's emotionless because I feel like if going the direction that I think they might be going, he might be. I still love you as a family member, but you got to get put down that, you know, that yeah. that could be that could not be. But 
whatever they're doing right now, they're doing it right. And I really, really like the new Roman Reigns. And I loved how that match ended. And I'm really excited to see how they go forward with it. Yeah, yeah. I, I again, the, the finish was was superbly done. A brilliant storytelling, um, but there was little nuances throughout the whole match that were building to that that finish. Little little moments where he was sort of wanting him to stay down and oh, telling right. him, "Oh, you should have just took the payday and lay down for me." And all just little touches all the way. Just absolutely brilliant storytelling. Um, for sure. With regards to the Reigns character, now th- these are the this is the sort of thing that. My wife and I, we quite often sit in fantasy book stuff if we watch shows, and she's a huge Reigns fan. I'm assuming it's just for his wrestling ability. I could be way off the mark there, but it's um, he's, let's be honest, he's not a bad looking <laughs> chap, is he? But uh, yeah. no, she's no, she she appreciates how good a wrestler he is, as well as how attractive the fellow obviously is. Um, we talk all the time about how effectively what you're seeing from Reigns now. We've been saying for a couple of years, and as have many, many other people more qualified than I, have been saying as well, this is, this is what we want to see from Roman Reigns. Now, just playing a little bit of devil's advocate, a little bit of fantasy booking, can you imagine if we saw this side of Reigns in years previous? Could you imagine if we saw this Reigns versus the Superman pushed down your throat gimmick of John Cena a few years ago and the crowd reactions you would have had in that feud? People still booing Cena, but some kids still cheering him. People booing Reigns, but cheering him because he's not Cena and so on. Could you imagine if we had this Reigns versus a babyface Seth Rollins a few years ago? Um, even a babyface Kurt Angle before he had to call it a day a few years ago. I, I think the potential in this Roman Reigns over the years could have been huge. And I'm hoping the potential going forward now with... <laughs> potentially a match with Edge, potentially you, you've got Lesnar, Lesnar returning at some stage, I would imagine, with the whole Paul Heyman in the dynamic. That, to me, is fascinating. How they're going to deal with that, that, that that's, that's got a fantastic story written all over it. And then the whole thing about The Rock never really goes away. I can't, I'm not 100% convinced if it's going to happen, but who knows, money talks end of the day. Um, but there's so much potential in the past and now we've actually got it. I think there's so much potential in the future with this this incarnation of Roman Reigns. Oh, absolutely, dude! Roman Reigns since WrestleMania 31, when he lost to to I guess when Seth Rollins cashed in with that you know Lesnar match, that was the last time that Roman Reigns has really meant anything. Like he's been on autopilot, same John Cena like gimmick since WrestleMania 31, which is what 2015 or so. And so you're right. There was a lot of wasted. That's a five year gap of just wasted Roman Reigns, in my opinion. Um, but maybe they'll make up for it going forward, like you already mentioned. And they could. We could finally see these awesome matches because Roman Reigns isn't going anywhere for a long time. He's WWE for life, I think. Same mm-hmm. thing with Rollins. Same thing with Edge and Lesnar. I was talking about this yesterday to somebody. I would love to see Lesnar come back and imagine like this wouldn't even seem realistic a year ago, but to see a face Brock Lesnar versus a heel Roman Reigns with Paul Heyman in the middle, that's, that's money right there. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah, definitely. Phenomenal. Oh, that'd be fantastic. I mean, Reigns, sorry, Lesnar, the, the biggest issue with Lesnar, I guess, is the fact that he's not the greatest talker. No, but you don't but, need that. If you've got Heyman there, Absolutely. And Heyman's, um, you, you could even have Heyman potentially trying to 
um, represent both people to start off with or telling Lesnar, you're nothing now, I've got reins or whatever. There's so much you can do without Lesnar even having to open his mouth. Oh, absolutely. And that's why, like, you know, having Heyman in the middle, because I don't, I don't think Heyman should, like, you know, just say, you know, F off to Lesnar. We've already seen that kind of with, you know, back in, I think it was 04, roughly. I always say 04 if I don't remember. <laughs> but I think it was um, right then with, you know, Big Show and Paul Heyman with 2002 Survivor Series in Madison oh. Square Garden, I believe. There we go. So we've already kind of seen that. Grant's been long enough ago when this is different enough. We probably could do it again. But I like the idea of Paul Heyman being in the middle and just kind of talking for both guys and, you know, maybe not even wanting this match to happen, but it's going to happen. And, and that kind of, that kind of dynamic, I think would be pretty good, pretty good television. Yeah. And again, he's so talented, isn't he? Heyman in what, in, in what he does. And he, he doesn't do anything spectacular. He just comes out, spits, tells you a few things, tells you a few facts. This is what's going to happen. My name is Paul Heyman. And, and it's not, clever cliches clever catchphrases but it still gets what you're listening to cemented in your mind and 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 over and the fact that we were you know the fact that we spent the last couple of minutes talking about this potential contest i think shows how reigns lesnar going forward could be something really really special Absolutely. And real quick, and we're going to kind of end the time here, but to mention The Rock, you brought up The, the Rock a few minutes ago. I honestly uh-huh. think that's where they're going. And if I was a betting man, I would say the next WrestleMania, you know, depending on the COVID stuff or whatever. But if I was a betting man, I would say Rock versus Roman Reigns with Roman Reigns going over. And to continue with this family stuff, you know, Roman's yeah. had to put down Jay. He's going to put down Jimmy. I can see Rikishi even coming back to take a hit. And then The Rock will come out. You know, you, you have to hit family once you try to hit me. You know, something along those lines. And that's that could be a really good build. And I think Rock has said that he would be willing to come back to fight Roman. I think that's the case. So with, if he did say that, I would say it's probably going to happen, and it's probably going to be at WrestleMania. But again, I mean, if 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 the Rock's coming back, it has to be WrestleMania, doesn't it? You can't exactly. see it anywhere else. But you don't want it. Huh. You don't want it without fans, do you? I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd I'd watch it if that was the only option. Then fine, yeah. Take, you know, then go for it. But you want the fans, don't you? You want the big stadium. You want the big spectacle that is WrestleMania. I don't know where we're going. Well, I guess nobody really knows where we're going to be come WrestleMania season. I believe it was the beginning of April, end of March. Um, they're looking at, well, Hollywood is the banner, isn't it? So I'm not 100% sure of exactly where it's going to be, but that's the sort of spin they're putting on things. But, I mean, if that happens, that's got the potential... <sighs> If, if Reigns is carried on being booked as strong as this between now and Mania and potentially even overcomes Lesnar if Lesnar returns before then and then The Rock returns, could you imagine how big that, that, that's, got, that's got potential to be one of the biggest contests we've ever seen? Absolutely. It would be arguably, very arguably, but arguably just as big as Rock versus Hogan. Uh, it'd be a new generation of that, but it'd be similar in ways and different in ways. But that build would be huge because The Rock mm-hmm. is such a Hollywood superstar and he has so much history in the business. And, you know, I, you know, he's an old generation and a new generation. Everybody knows who The Rock is, whether you're a kid, whether you're 50, whether you're 60. Yeah. Uh, so it would be and the mainstream of attraction, the mainstream appeal of The Rock as well, isn't it? Yep, absolutely. Um, so with all of that together, I mean, that would just I, just talking about the face off. Man, if played right, it could be phenomenal. Yeah. 
Yeah, 100%. Totally agree with you. Well, if if it happens and if it's played right, of course. But yeah, definitely. That that sounds fantastic. That's all I'm going to be thinking about this evening, though. Something's <laughs> <laughs> happening because you got me nervous now talking about COVID. You're right. The Rock does need a he does need an audience, so we'll see. Yeah, that's very true. Very true. Okay, speaking of things that have the potential to be fantastic or brilliant, uh, shall we get to your bin it book it best, sir? Oh, let's do it, man. I'm I'm excited. I've been thinking about this for a while, so I'll just we'll yeah, well, let's see let's see what happens here. Okie doke. Well, we'll start with your binet because I like to try and finish the show with something positive being your best. So let's have your binet then, please. Your one thing you despise and wish you could just completely bin off and erase from wrestling history altogether. All right, good deal. And uh, like we mentioned earlier, most of mine are going to be older older stuff because when it comes no to problems, I can't even think about what happened. Um, and this is, might be a little lame as a as a Bennett, but just something when I was thinking. So I'm trying to, get, you know, I'm, I'm trying not to steal your former guest stuff, and I may repeat one if I did. Sorry, not, <laughs> but, not a problem at all. Not a problem at all. Uh, everyone has their own spin on things. I've had I've, I've had people suggest things to me away from the show that have been a, a sort of different ways of booking or something, or different ways of looking at something other guests have said. It's always fascinating hearing opinions. So yeah, please carry on. Don't you worry about that for a second. Nope, oh, fair enough. Uh, so this one, it's, it's kind of lame, and I probably could have done better, I guess. But the uh, the Katie Vick, Triple H, Kane storyline, and not even just the Katie Vick part, but the original Triple H versus Kane when they had to unmask Kane. Um, I thought that was so lame. I, Kane was one of my favorites when I was a kid. I, I loved watching Kane, and he's honestly probably one of the reasons I was consistently started to watch it in, in 98. I know he debuted in 97 at Hell in a Cell with Triple H, or I'm sorry, with Shawn Michaels versus Undertaker, but I only know that because I loved Kane so much. I just, you know, I love horror movies, Michael Myers, Undertaker, or Jason Voorhees, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I just loved his look. And he's honestly, man, if I could give you an honest reason why I got hooked on wrestling, it's probably Kane. And uh, so watching him, watching most of his, you know, stuff, I love the mystery of his face. I loved all of that. And, you know, I hated Triple H when I was a younger kid, when he was, you know, early DX and then late DX. And then I just hated his heel gimmick. Yeah. I was a sucker for good guy versus bad guy back then in those days. And uh, I was really disappointed that their feud was could have been cool because Triple H, as much as I hated him, the dude is phenomenal when it comes to to, to wrestling knowledge and everything he does. I love him now. Uh, I thought that feud was lame. You know, I thought it could have been better. And then they threw weird gimmicky stuff in there, like Triple H having relations with a corpse. I with you know from from Kane's <laughs> past. I thought was just that's. That's not good television. And, you know, and maybe in a way it's good they kept it around because people like to make fun of it. <laughs> so, you know, whatever. But I think a Kane unmasking could have been epic if done the right way. Honestly, I can't tell you what the right way would be. But I'm not a professional you know, wrestling writer, so it's not my place to say that, I guess. <laughs> but, no, no, I understand. Um, Kane, back in the the late 90s there, the, I mean, he was... He, he was put together, wasn't he? Great physique, great look, the mask, the hair, great move set. Everything about him was superb. Taking the mask off, I agree with you. I didn't like the way that was done. I it was a raw. Like, it was yeah. a raw sport. What is, what is that? <laughs> like, yeah, that's right. 
Oh, didn't they also at one stage unify the Intercontinental title and the World title between Triple H and Kane? Did that happen between those two? I might be getting confused there. Um, um it could have been. I don't. I think it might have been. I know Jericho had it, and then went to Triple H, and then Triple H unified. I don't know. It could have been Kane. It might have been the same. No, time I need here. to look that up. Something else I need to look up as well. You mentioned about the KT Vic thing. Obviously, I've I've seen it. It is cringeworthy. I 100% agree. I mean, you, you're saying you weren't sure if this was a good pick. I think it's a fantastic pick. This is exactly the sort of thing that Binnett is for. Um, so I'm completely on board with that. But the whole KT Vic segment itself, I need to look it up, and I will do. But I will do. <laughs> I will do before next week's show because I think that didn't air in the UK. Oh, that could be. I think that. Don't get me wrong. I I, I have seen it since, um, but I don't remember seeing it when it happened. And now SmackDown and Raw never aired live back at that time. It's only been in the last. Well, I don't know. We're talking years, but not that many years that it's been airing live in the UK. So certain things would be removed from certain tapings. Very, very, very rarely. But certain things would be removed. Obviously, you guys would see it live. And then we would get it potentially a day or two later over here. And certain things, for example, when The Undertaker was attacked by Mohammed Hassan's um, group of what potentially, call a spade a spade, what looked like terrorists. Right. that was on an episode of SmackDown that aired in the States. By the time it made it to Sky Sports here in the UK, that whole segment had been removed because it was right around the time of the 7-7 bombings in London. Yes, it was. And that was also the... Not only did that get removed, Muhammad Hassan's career got removed. Yeah, apparently he's a school teacher now. Oh, that's cool. Good for him. He's, I, like he's him. Of, I think they said he's of... Uh, originally of Italian descent, and he's now, um, I think, I don't know if he's, I don't know how it equates to um, the US, is it middle school over there? It's like junior school here, we call it. Um, yep. I, I think anyway, yeah, yeah, I think I think anyway, he's, he's definitely a teacher, but the age group I can't, I can't, yeah. I think the Katie Vic Triple H segment may have been removed. So that, I think, shows... Uh, if if Sky Sports, if if Sky Broadcasting aren't willing to show it, then trust me, it must be bad because <laughs> they fair. show some awful crap. You know, <laughs> it's just embarrassing. I thought like it wasn't, inter- and I was not all that old. I was in high school, I think, and it's like this isn't even entertaining. Like this isn't even juvenile funny. It's just this is stupid. <laughs> like it's yeah. Triple H. What's he doing? He uses yeah. a sledgehammer for Christ's sake. Uh, it's one but, of those moments, isn't it, where you, you, if you're sat watching it, and from my standpoint. If my dad walked in the room, he'd take the mick out of me. If a friend of mine walked in the room, they'd be like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> you know, it's it's that sort of that sort of moment that you do just look at as a wrestling fan and think, "Oh no," you know. So <laughs> absolutely. But now I'm a hundred percent on board with that. If I could get rid of that, I would. I would one hundred percent join you with that Binnett pick. That is spot on. Um, moving on, then a little bit of fantasy booking potentially. Um, something you think could have ended better or you had a, ha- a better idea for it or something you just wished didn't go the way it did. You'll book it, please, sir. All right. Now, this one originally, I know your first guess, he, he said the invasion angle, and that's 100%. And you guys covered that. There's nothing else to say about the invasion angle. That was booked poorly, and there are reasons. But fantasy booking, everything you guys already mentioned, that's what mine would be. 
But to not repeat something that's already been said, I'm going to go with another invasion-like angle, which would be the original Nexus when they, uh, when they yeah. debuted. And you know, I'm a sucker for invasion angles. I've always this they my they've been my favorite. You know, from the Outsiders with Kevin Nash and Scott Hall to DX to NWO to now Nexus. I've always enjoyed that kind of storytelling for whatever reason. Maybe I want to be a rebel, but I'm not. So I like live vicariously through those guys. Uh, <laughs> You know, when that started strong, and that was in 2010-ish, um, I think it was 2010 anyway, maybe nine, but I think 10. And that was probably, I knew it was fake, obviously, I'm going to say fake. I knew it was that was booked that way because I was an adult at that time. But there were people who I knew, I was in college actually when that went down, and there were people who I knew were like, is that scripted? Did they just attack those guys? You know, because they came out out of nowhere, they attacked the announcers, the ring guys, Daniel Bryan got fired for choking, you know, for choking out somebody like it was a big it was it was different for WWE to do something like that, I thought. And it was awesome. We knew the guys from their 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 training with, you know, their the buddies or the bigs, whatever they called themselves back then. So we knew who they were. It wasn't like the shield because I I didn't really know who the shield was when they debuted uh, because I didn't watch that, whatever they called themselves back then. I think that was like right before it became NXT. I don't remember. Uh, But, you know. I really liked that. I thought that was neat. I thought it was cool and it was different. And they did a really good job, you know, with Wade Barrett leading the guys. They did a good job of just tearing crap up and making themselves. Absolutely. And then nothing really came of it. It fizzled out. They had a feud with John Cena that, you know, John Cena's not going to lose in 2010. So like he kept winning. And I think he did lose for a minute. He had to join the Nexus for a minute and it didn't play out the way it should have. If it was me booking that, I would have had them keep destroying people for a while. And then when John Cena had to join Nexus, John Cena joins Nexus. You turn John Cena heel, and he is part of Nexus. Really. And he properly joins Nexus then, you Absolutely. Not just, yeah. Because he has to and becomes kind of Wade Barrett's like reluctant lackey. And, and, you know, and it was weird. It had a weird vibe. It didn't look realistic because, you know, I'm thinking if I'm John Cena, screw that. I don't care what the stipulation said. I'll go out there and I'll lose every match just to screw over Nexus. That was my mm-hmm. mindset at the time. And, uh, but I would have had instead of that, because that's what happened. That's what fizzed out the group. And you know, that's, what, that's what killed it, in my opinion. And then you know, CM Punk came and took it over. Honestly, I don't remember much about that. I, I'm, I was a Punk fan back then, but I just don't remember anything going down in a good way. And I really think, you know, the feud with John Cena killed Nexus and killed the potential that it had to be a next big group. And so I would have had Cena properly join Nexus, really get him over, and continue this the reign of terror in WWE. And how they could end, I don't really know. Again, I'm not a booker, but it could have been a lot better. And I would have John Cena lead Nexus willingly with Wade Barrett, you know, hand in hand for for a good while at least. Yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, Cena doing that at that stage. Obviously, it is incredibly unlikely, as we know, looking back in hindsight and so on. But this is the whole purpose of this segment: it's fantasy booking, it's, it and and so on. It, I'm not saying it would have been anywhere near as big as, but you're sort of looking at it from the same sort of angle as when Hogan joined the NWO. Absolutely, that, that babyface joining the invading party and so on. Yeah, I agree. That that's. I don't like the way the Nexus was handled at the end. I think that. It's, that's something I believe will probably pop up quite a li- quite a bit on this segment with regards to the book it part. I think a lot of people will be coming up with different aspects for that. The Cena joining them and being their their joint leader properly 
didn't enter my mind. And I think that's a fascinating uh, point of view, fascinating idea. So, no, again, absolutely brilliant on your book it there. Really, really good stuff. Well, thank you, sir. I um, appreciate it. No, no problem. No problem. Just just being honest. Um, and then finally, then, something nice and chirpy, your best. Whether it's a show, a match, a wrestler, you keep going back to whatever. Something that just you absolutely love in this crazy world of pro wrestling. All right, man. And this one is a little bit newer when it comes to especially what you talk about and write about. But I loved it. I was a senior in high school at the time. And I remember watching it live. It actually was the very first WrestleMania that I watched live. And that was at WrestleMania 22 with uh, Shawn Michaels versus Vince McMahon. I can uh, watch yeah. that match any day of the week. Uh, I love the the feud. I, I, again, I love HBK, favorite of all time. And I'm also a sucker for, you know, uh, I like Vince McMahon a lot, too. I, I've always loved the the boss versus a wrestler angle. I liked Austin versus, you know, Austin versus McMahon, all that stuff. I, I dig it. And then that was one of Vince's last real runs as a heel boss, you know, in the ring anyway. And I really, really like the build to HBK versus Vince McMahon in that match. Again, and that's not just because of the match itself. There's a lot going on. I was a senior in high school. First WrestleMania I ever watched live, so it was special anyway, just for that yeah. fact alone. And uh, I really, really just loved everything about that match. I loved the brutality of it. I loved watching Shawn Michaels just whoop the McMahon's butt. Try not to cuss here. I really like <laughs> the handcuffing to, uh, you know, he handcuffed Shane to the, the ropes and just wailed on him with a kendo stick. I love that. I love the, the tall ladder as probably, you know, there was a huge ladder. I remember Shawn Michaels using against Vince and it was mostly just a beat down. And you know, the, the feud was a long feud. It was just months and months and months of Vince McMahon always getting one step ahead of of Shawn Michaels beating him up. They even had Marty Jannetty come back, which is probably not something to brag about these days, <laughs> but you know, it was no. a long, <laughs> and, uh, it was really, I just, again, it got my belly when I watched Shawn finally after months of pinup frustration, just take it out on Vince. I loved it. And my favorite part of the entire match, and this is before DX about to, got back together. And this is right before DX reunited in June of 06. I think that's right. Um, he did the DX chops on top of the ladder to Vince. I was like, Oh, yeah, that's awesome. You know, throw back yep. to DX. You have been gone since 2000. That would have been the, the ladder he came off. Uh, I think Vince was Vince inside a trash can. That sounds right. Sean came down with an elbow drop from a great height. I mean, what a spot that is visually. And then you see all the um, the flash bulbs going off behind him as he jumps and so on. I mean, that's something I think you don't get quite as much anymore in wrestling with people's camera phones and so on. The absolutely. proper old-fashioned flash bulbs going off. It, it was a brilliant visual. Oh, it, it really was, and you're absolutely right. I didn't even think about that, but that seeing those flashes does definitely add to it. That's something we don't really get these days. Uh, but yeah, man, then just him getting this to straight up one, two, three pin. I I just loved watching Shawn Michaels take out because I watched that live every week, and back then I was more passionate than I am now, really. And I just got so aggravated. I mean, I was in high school; I knew it was scripted. I wasn't like as passionate as I was back in like you know Austin versus McMahon days. But I still that was one of the last times I was just watching a storyline to you know and and being emotionally invested as a fan and not really as like a a smart mark as we all are now with the internet and stuff. Uh, but I really I really enjoyed it and I think it was perfectly played out. The only problem was they kept going. That should have been the end of the end of it, but they kept going that backlash and stuff. So that's the one problem. Oh, is this that where it, Sean was <laughs> tagging with God. Is yeah, that, yeah, that all got a little bit silly, didn't it? Towards <laughs> yeah. you know. 
That was the yeah. one issue. They should have climaxed it at Mania and been done. But you know, shortly after, it went into the DX versus McMahon feud, and that was fun. So that's what it led to, I guess, at the end of the day. But yeah, that's the fantastic match and build that I, I'll never forget. Yeah, no, again, fantastic, fantastic choice. When you started talking about um, a particular WrestleMania you saw live and it's standing out in your memory and so on, you could have given me four or five guesses and I wouldn't have picked that one. Oh, but the, 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 the case that you put forward for that McMahon Michaels match really has made me sort of think, wow, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go watch this again because I, I, I adore that contest too. But when people talk about Again, like I said earlier on, agreeing with you about how you, how Shawn Michaels is a huge favorite of mine, as as you said, he is yours. Um, the people talk about Michaels at WrestleMania. You obviously get the early days, the WrestleMania ten ladder match, the stuff with Brett and so on. But the run he had when he came back from that back injury, the matches against Jericho, Kurt Angle, um, John Cena was a Mania match as well that was fantastic and sometimes overlooked. The triple threat with Benoit and Triple H. Oh, yeah. The McMahon one, I think, you're right, sort of gets a little bit overlooked at times. I mean, you also had the one with Flair, which was a fantastic emotional moment as well. But that oh, McMahon sure. match, you're right, absolutely incredible. And I, it, it, kind of, it was kind of pushed to the back of my mind, I suppose, because of the other fantastic matches that Sean has had. Um, but no, what a great pick. What a fantastic pick. Well, what, what a great trio of picks for your Bin It, Book It Best. Absolutely fantastic, sir. Um, very quickly, very quickly before uh, before we get on to your social links on the comment there of uh, Marty Gennetti, um, <laughs> I I know he's not listening, but I I know he's he won't be listening to this podcast. He doesn't even know this exists. Sure. But I wrote I wrote an article about Marty Gennetti, um, and he took the liberty of commenting about it on Facebook, and oh, nice. um, and he said it was well written which was great. I was hugely appreciative of that. Um, but he said, as always, these articles don't get things correct. Just want to throw it out there. If anyone did see Janetti's comments, the Janetti article and anything else I ever write is fact-checked again and again and again. There's nothing I put in an article that is not accurate. Just want to make sure that's uh, that's out there. Whilst you put Mr. Janetti back in my mind, I've forgotten all about him. <laughs> but there we go. <laughs> I would take anything you say with more... With more trust, I guess, than anything Marty Janetti says. I've read his Facebook, well, well, and I'm not bashing the guy, but but come on, <laughs> like we've seen no, his rants. You're right. You're right. I'm very well. In that comparison, I'm very very glad that is the way you see it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Okay then, uh, Chuck. If you would be so kind, please, before I let you go, can you let everyone know where they can find your fantastic shows and yourself on all the social medias, the Facebooks, the Twitter, wherever you have links. Yep, absolutely. And I have a lot, so bear with me here. I just, I just no problem. You take your time. I'm involved in here. So all of my stuff is on alleverythingentertainment.com, along with uh, Apple Music, Pandora, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts. Everything's available everywhere. But Paranormal Activities, it's an audio podcast primarily, and it's about ghosts and stuff. And you can find it on Twitter, at Activities. You can find it on Facebook, at Paranormal Activities, and we're also on Instagram at Paranormal underscore Activities. And my name, my real name there is Ben Axe, so don't be confused. And then I'm also on a co-host of a regularly scheduled Hostilities live every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on AllEverythingEntertainment.com with my co-host Josh DeBoard and Yvonne DeBoard. 
And, and uh, that's also available on Twitter at RSH Wrestling. And it's available on Facebook at Regularly Scheduled Hostilities. And I'm actually just started a new, brand new show called Marital Nonsense. That's on AEE, AllEverythingEntertainment.com, all every Friday night at roughly 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with my wife. And we just chat about nonsense, basically. And then you can also follow my personal Twitter account at Ben Lovin with the U. It's a name I made in high school, and I'm just not changing it. So, yep, that's all of my stuff, I believe. Fantastic. Great. Okay. Well, it's been absolutely brilliant catching up with you for the first time in quite a while. I really, really enjoyed it. It's, um, it's been great hearing a little bit about the, the modern WWE product from you. Um, I'm thinking it'd be fantastic if we can do this again sometime, have you back on. Perhaps maybe we could step more into my wheelhouse and I could pick an old school pay-per-view for us to review or we could have a look again at um, more modern stuff. It'd be, it'd be great to have you back on. Oh, dude, I would love that. If you picked an old pay-per-view that I have not seen, I just watched it and we talked about it, that would be phenomenal. I think that would be a great time. Okay, well, I mean, we're just literally a couple of days away from October. My aim throughout October is to look at pay-per-views from from that time. So we're looking at Halloween Havoc, Old Hell in the Cell pay-per-view. So maybe I'll pick something out and we'll, we'll have a chat online and we'll get together and we'll do another episode. That'd be brilliant. Yep, absolutely. I cannot wait. Thank you very much, sir. This has been a blast. No, really enjoyed it. Uh, absolutely fantastic. Thank you very much for coming on. And as I said previously, check out Chuck's uh, podcasts. Check out especially the Paranormal Activities. It's really fascinating stuff. And, and once more, thank you very much for coming on, sir. And I will speak to you soon. Yep, thank you. And you take care. And thanks a lot, man. Yep, cheers. <laughs>